0: century you're listening to the edge everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keelguard Studios
1: yo
2: yo yo here we go the December 1 episode of Bass Edge Radio. Welcome back to the program, Aaron. I'm uh, just getting out of my nocturnal sleep over Thanksgiving. Here we are, in the middle of the week, and I'm just getting started after that uh, nice holiday last week
3: yeah uh, good food good football depending on where you were at probably some good weather in some places you know but uh, hey Kurt fun episode today because we do have a bit of a uh, I'd call it a pretty big announcement
2: yeah yeah definitely we're gonna have an announcement today and uh, excited what we're gonna be able to do for some listeners
3: that uh, participate
2: in the program and uh, we always get some great participation super uh, thank all those Bass Edge supporters
3: out there Speaking of uh, participation and supporters, we can't, you know, forget to mention, I almost let that slide by, but, uh, you know, our good friends, Keel Guard day one, partners with Bass Edge Radio, and that, of course, all things that needs to be accessorized on your boat or personal watercraft can be found at keelguard.com, first do-it-yourself, keel protector, the skate guard, flex step, battery guard, all those things. Be sure, last minute, uh, I still got those shipped for Christmas. Very important information. I think we should have a
2: contest. Like, how fast can we read all of MegaWare's, you know, products? Like... You know, we have to do like a time clock and you have to read every one. I from... think you should
3: come up with a rap.
2: That'd be. Oh, wow. I was going to say a... I was going to say auction. Okay.
3: But that's probably rap is probably more your style.
2: The challenge has been set. Uh, 2022 will be a new year. It could be a new jingle. Let's just say that. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what we can come up with. But uh, man, to talk about uh, jingle, bro. Uh, how about the event that went down over at Table Rock Lake? Uh, I'm, you know, unable to participate. I was so sad when I saw it to announce, but the, the Bass Pro Shops U.S. Open, a million freaking dollars. Congrats out to, uh, Logan Parks, Tucker Smith. Man, these, these young men have been just absolutely on a tear. If you're a crazy nut
3: about fishing, if you follow college fishing and, and they were college team of the year, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, I, stout, you know, and, and when I look at, obviously, I will say, Kurt, there were some sticks that was fishing that, not only from a kind of all over the country, but also local. And right, um, right. I also want to just throw a, a congrats out to uh, Chris... Martin and Kevin Burnett, you know, they finished third, uh, but they were the uh-huh. highest finishers of the of the local crowd. And you know, f- to see what Logan and Tucker did under that pressure, and just to get there, you know, you're talking three. What is it? 350 boats, Kurt?
2: Yeah, 350 boats. I think they narrowed it down to 250 after day one, then the final 50 after day two for a. You know, it was not cumulative, which was kind of cool. I think it was cumulative of the first two days to make the top 50. And then the final day was just a 50 boat shootout, 50 teams for a million bucks, dude. Dude, this is one of the coolest, you know, I don't know, givebacks. I don't know what Johnny was, the Johnny Morse, you know, the owner of Bass Pro was thinking. But well, I man, think it was
3: because of the 50-year anniversary, and you're exactly right. You know, it was his own uh, own money that was put into this, and to give back to the anglers that, uh, you know, he said has given so much to him. And, yeah. and just to make the sport better and, and the way they did it with those qualifiers all over the country, it was not an easy road to get there. I know no. that. No.
2: Very cool stuff. Folks can check that out. You Google anything you want about U.S. Open Bass Pro Shops. If you haven't heard about it, didn't see it, didn't follow it, man, they, they, they've got a lot of great information on their website. Who knows? Do you, what do you think? You, you think this is just a one-year deal, one-time shot, Aaron, or you think it's going to continue?
3: You know, uh, I really don't know the answer to that. I've been thinking a lot about that myself, Kurt. Um, yeah, yeah. With with the turnout that uh, that happened, I would think there's going to be some version of it. Right. Can I say that there was you know, going to be a million bucks every time? I don't know. But the, everybody that I talked to said, at least like the Bull Shoals tournament, the Grand Tournament, those tournaments were the best run tournaments that they've ever been to. And these yeah. are people that are very seasoned and fish a lot of tournaments. So anyway, it'll be exciting to keep up with.
2: Yeah, the cool thing about those events, I think, I think most... Most of the participants were, you know, primarily amateurs, so it wasn't like a whole lot of cutthroatness. It was like the people going out just enjoying bass fishing, and if you happen to catch a, a really good bag of fish you know, in all the qualifying events that, you know, you won 50K. So, dude, it wasn't just a 1 million. It was like six, seven qualifying events, 50,000 apiece plus paying through the field. Anyway, if, if you haven't heard about that that event, you, you need to you need to check it out just to go back and read the news because it was pretty cool. Talking about reading news, Aaron, Bass Angler Magazine, uh, as always, appreciate their partnership. And shout out to Mark Lesane. If you read the recent stuff with, Bass Angler magazine. Aaron, did you see that? thirty-five thousand yeah. dollars in and the uh Hobie Tournament of Champions yeah, event Kristen, won by Kristen Fisher, right? Absolutely. Dude, that girl is killing it. I'm just gonna tell you, I've seen some of her YouTube stuff, and uh, dude, she fishes everything in that kayak world. I don't care who puts it on, how dude, if there is a championship, you see her in it, and uh, dude, she's typically catching them, like whacking them. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's uh, it was that was pretty cool to see as well. But uh, hey, look, we we that's a huge opening segment. Lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about in the next segment too. Before we get to our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight later on in the show, Aaron. But y'all stay tuned. We've got a Protect the Harvest Tackle Tip coming up right now, Bass Edge Radio. This episode's Protect the Tackle Tip with Mlf Pro Circuit Angler
1: Nick Lebron. Hey guys, uh, I just want to share with you some uh, kind of a, a fall fishing transition into wintertime tip. When I'm searching for schools of bass that are shallow, related to grass, related to shad, a half ounce Bill Lewis rattle trap is my go-to for a search bait. I love throwing something like a retro craw, crawfish pattern, or sometimes just a plain old chrome blue. but. I'll throw that on 18-pound Sunline SC Sniper 4 Carbon paired with a Fitzgerald Bronze Thrift Series 7'4", heavy cranking rod with a Fitzgerald VLD-10 high-speed bait cast reel. But a lot of times after you find the fish and locate it and the cold front hits, sometimes they don't want to get fired up. But a lot of times you can take that same group of fish and downsize to a quarter ounce Bill Lewis rattle Trap in the same exact color and downsize your line to maybe it's a 14 pound FC. And if you crawl that trap through those same areas, you'll get crushed and get the school fired up. So uh, that's just a good tackle tip to uh, find and locate schools of bass in the fall, but then when they stop biting, how to still keep them fired up the next day or two. Hope that helps and uh, hope that helps you catch a few more fish this fall.
2: Absolutely, Nick. Great tip. Brought to you by protecttheharvest.com.
0: First by land and now by sea. nitro performance bass boats get pro level performance with the nitro z18 the official boat of major league fishing the z18 with its nimble handling and versatility sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line like a guardian live well a heavily insulated cooler dual eight foot rod storage and our smooth and fast nvt hull every nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well catch fish Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines.
2: Aaron, you alluded to a little announcement in the last segment. Uh, break it down for us, buddy. I'm, I'm excited to hear about it, excited to see what is new right here on Bass Edge Radio.
3: New incentives, new motivation, listener questions obviously have been coming in uh, over the years. Uh, we're making a, a little change. New partner has stepped up. and the Midway USA, <laughs> Kurt. And, you know, the cool <laughs> thing about it is, and and what am I – talking about our gift cards. So we're not, we're not talking about, you know, some bumper sticker here. We're talking about right. uh, a gift card <laughs> that can actually be spent on all things fishing, all things hunting related. Uh, if you have not been over there, I mean, what they have done, um, you know, they're kind of new to the, on the fishing side within the last, you know, 14, 15 months. But um, yeah, very excited about that.
2: Awesome. Yeah, they got a great site, MidwayUSA.com, just a, a great e commerce platform. Uh, I was perusing it, and uh, dude, they got every, I think it's every MegaWare product available on the site, six products. So uh that's that's kind of cool to see but they got tons of stuff man rods reels lures all kinds of great things so uh I'm excited that uh we can provide this for uh the listener question. I know we've been giving out some great gifts, you know, some uh Bass Edge apparel I think every once in a blue moon. We're also we also throw in uh some of the uh the old Bass Edge television series uh Sonar Electronics DVD. But this, Aaron, a whole new level. Nothing like being able to pick out what you want right there on Midway USA. So excited about that.
3: Absolutely. And the way to get that just a reminder, be sure, you're going to hear us say this multiple times, be sure send in the listener questions either through the website on Ask the Pro or certainly through all the social media channels out there, and we're going to be able to get the Midway USA gift cards sent directly to you, um, okay. Kurt. Kind of transitioning, shifting gears. You know, it. it I, I guess with a kind of a heavy heart, uh, you, you know, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Martin's and and what he has meant uh, so much to the sport as an individual, as a dad, as a as a husband, as a friend. Um, you know, I know you have shared a lot of moments with uh, with Aaron down through the years.
2: It's super sad to see. Uh, the culmination of, of the illness take Aaron but uh, yeah it, what, what a great individual how about the outpouring on social media very very apparent that he touched a lot of people Aaron uh, Aaron Martins what, what a great human being I did I did have a uh an encounter I'll never forget with Aaron out on Kentucky Lake at a Elite Series tournament. We were both fishing the same ledge. Uh, there was probably you know four or five boats fishing this particular ledge, and and Aaron and I were pretty close to one another, and and we had a chance to chat during <laughs> during the whole process. And and it, Aaron was always fun to talk to. You hear me chuckle, you know, it's it just bringing up those memories. You know, he's just uh, such a unique human being, and and his thought process was so Aaron. Martin's oriented, right? I mean, it was just very unique. It was his own thought process, but we were out there drop shotting, and, um, I had a good one on another four pounder. You, there was a lot of fish on this ledge and, uh, the, the fish came off just pulled off just one of those deals how you know a fish will pull off on a drop shot every once in a while and this particular fish I don't know skin hooked whatever pulled off Aaron says hey man have you tried my my new drop shot stuff man and maybe you have some good luck if, if you tried my new drop shot design <laughs> you know and he was talking about all this stuff but he's, he you know oh man I wish you didn't lose that you know he was cheering me on at the same time trying to help me catch fish at the same time trying to help himself catch fish and that's just the kind of guy he was man he was just super in tune to the game a good individual great to be around fun to be around you always left a conversation or encounter with aaron thinking man that guy's that's a special dude
3: yeah for sure and and you know kurt to echo that we were early on in the bass edge project uh we were down in orlando i think at icast and getting ready to set up to do an uh aaron and i we're doing a, going to do an interview, um, and actually, just so that listeners know, so that I, I'd be sure and get this in episode two twenty one, most recent episode on Bass Edge, and and certainly can key on that and and listen to that interview. But you know, there was always the joke of because obviously with our names, and his was M A R T E N S, mine obviously right. being M A R T I N, and uh, he, he was joking about our names, and I said, you know, I said I I apologize, I said because people will often think you know that. You know, we're the same kind of the same person, bass edge, and that. And I said, you know, that's a far cry from the truth. And you know, uh, I only wish I could be at, at your level. And you know, he, with dead serious, and he meant this. This, this was what was so cool. He said, Aaron. He said, you know, there's only going to be one Aaron Martins, and there's only going to be one Aaron Martin. So and I'm like, dude, you know, but he always had a way of just simplifying things, even in, even in fishing and that. But he always a genuine person. So um, yeah, yeah, being our age and and just anyway, just a, a lot of good things there of, of how he revolutionized the sport so yeah again go back listen
2: as, as you just mentioned uh episode 221 great episode bass edge radio with aaron martins and uh and just uh, rest in peace brother we'll see you on the other side for sure y'all stay tuned the lucas oil angler spotlight coming up next right here with bass edge Radio. I am BASS
1: Elite Series Angler Matt Airy. This is Fastmaster Elite Series Pro Bill Lowen. This is BASS Elite Series Angler KJ Queen. This is BASS Elite Series Pro Jake Whitaker. I am Pro Angler Brett Heights. Stay tuned for more Fast Edge Radio.
0: You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do it yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, making that fall to winter
2: transition always an interesting time of year. We're lucky to have a shallow water expert in the Bass Edge crew. You know, he's part of the crew, right? I don't he's know family, how many man. times this guy's been on the show, but he's been here from day 1, I'm going to say. I don't you know, he was part of the Bass Edge television show back in, you know, 06 07 08 time frame and super stoked to have This shallow water expert in talking about early winter, how to be effective on the water. We've got him, MLF Pro Circuit Angler, James Nigemeyer back right here in the Bass Edge Studios. Bro, great to have you back on the show again, James.
4: Kurt and Aaron, thank you guys for having me. It's good to chat with both of you guys at the same time because it's like we're getting the band back together. You know what I mean? (laughs)
3: Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know, James, before we just dive off into kind of the fishing techniques and, and know-how, man, let's reminisce a little bit and catch up on how you've been since we last chatted, at least on Bass Edge Radio on September 2018. And I've seen a couple good years with MLF Pro Circuit making that title championship in 2020. And I'm sure looking forward to the 2022 season.
4: Yeah, Absolutely. Wow, there's uh, it was 2018 the last time we got together. Actually, quite a bit's happened um, since then. I've tried to make a more concerted effort to really work on rounding out my my social media presence. Been working on my YouTube channel and uh, getting that up and running. And and then as well, we uh, were really kind of taken back that my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer about a year ago in September. And she and I we they say we, but she really handled it like a trooper and uh, worked through all all the, the surgery and all the treatments. And we're very thankful. We thank God that she's now uh, free of any evidence of disease. So we've had a lot going on, but uh, we're doing well. And uh, look, yeah, definitely looking forward to 2022. It's, uh, it's always that time of year, you know, you're kind of excited for the holidays, but at the same time, you're like, okay, I know that as soon as Christmas and New Year's is over, it's time to get going. But uh, that's kind of what's been going on with me and I try not to get too far down the road as far as my schedule is concerned, as far as looking at the tournaments down the road. So for right now, I just kind of focus on, um, you know, maybe putting the pieces in place for that first event. And then kind of after that, I'll kind of look at the next one and the next one after that, instead of trying to take them as one big bite. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what's going on with me. It's been kind of had a lot going on. And it's uh, again, we're super thankful that my wife is uh, she's doing great. We, we're doing well. Thanks.
2: Yeah, James, that's awesome to hear that Sandy's doing well. And uh, your last couple of years been been interesting that that last time we chatted, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm sure you remember you finished second. In the uh, FLW Tour Championship back in 2008, if I remember correctly, 2018, right? Or 2018? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Right. So uh, that that was the last time we had you here on the program, and and as you just discussed with the listeners, a lot, lot of things going on. Interesting. One thing you talked about there was in you know, working on your social media stuff and, and doing a lot of, through your YouTube channel. That's kind of keeping you on the water because I am a James Niggermeyer fan. I watch James's YouTube videos, and it's great to see him on the water doing a lot of tips and techniques. And so we're going to kind of break down some of this late arrival of cool weather. We have broken down fall fishing. Aaron can attest to this. Lots over the last uh, five yeah. or six episodes because it has been kind of one of those uh, lingering falls. You know, Aaron was even talking about uh, pre-show um, about water temps up at Table Rock still being in the mid-60s and, and things really not blooming into that fall. But but we're going to get some of that cool weather. Really wanting to break down what your thought process is and getting to that winter fishing patterns in your home east texas there around lake fork lake athens all those great northeast texas lakes you're a shallow water guy how do you keep that shallow water accessible and what are you looking for in that early winter fishing patterns
4: yeah usually it does kind of linger here unless we have you know some really hard hard cold nights um some you know even you know below 32 that kind of or in the 30s at all and it usually does kind of just a slow progression, kind of like where you're at, Lake Amstead, You know, it just kind of fades from one season into the other. And that's kind of the way it, it can be here. And usually it's, uh, it's kind of a, um, I think the thing that really kind of lets me know things are changing is in that fall, you'll see a lot of presence of bait. Shad, shallow, whatever, you know, whatever type of minnow, prey fish that's in the lake, that's going to be shallow and you'll see that. And then once you start moving into that winter time, it's kind of a temperature thing too. You know, once it gets into the mid to high 50s, somewhere in there, the, the, there's not as much bait there, or you, you really notice that the bait doesn't really get moving until after one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, you'll start to see some dimpling on the surface or in the shallows, and then that will disappear too. And then you start to go, okay, we're moving out of fall into winter, and that's definitely kind of a big sign for me in this area, you know, I have to think about that. What, what is it that really kind of leans me one way or the other? And and that's probably the biggest thing is you just don't see that the fish chasing them and, uh, and you start to see them on the graph deeper. You know, you're starting to see that bait out more and even, even suspended over, over deeper water, maybe not quite 30 or 40 feet of water or 20 or 30 feet of water, but you start to see it, you know, down 10 to 15 feet of water, or 8 to 12 feet of water, something like that, and over in the middle of coves and different things like that. You just don't see that bait up shallow anymore, and that's kind of my sign. I think that's the big thing that lets me know, okay, we're rounding out this fall type stuff.
3: So, James, when you start to see that, I mean, you know, for those that might be new to Bass Edge and kind of your, uh, I guess, style of fishing, you're predominantly a shallow guy. When you see that, do you still try and stay in on the shallows? And if so, is there a certain type of structure or cover or, or things that you will gravitate to that you feel that, you know, that fish are going to be holding on kind of as we approach into the December month and on into winter?
4: Absolutely. There's there's a lot of places that you'll see them kind of gravitate towards and then of course then that's where I'll be as well and if I'm fishing you know my home lake lake Fork. If I'm doing some guiding I will fish deep there just because over the years I kind of know where to look and what places they continually historically show up at but for me as a as a pro fisherman I in, in that type of in this time of year and even just for fun if I'm going out for fun I'm I'm looking at a few different types of cover types and that's rock wood and grass and, and even docks, there'll be some fishing on docks, um, deeper docks and, and uh, so I'll look at those, those four types of cover types and generally the further we get into winter we're moving away from those types of cover types on little uh, flatter type topography to more creek channel related ones. So then you start to, as it gets colder and moves more into winter we're looking at uh, ha- having the, the access to a creek channel, having the access to deeper water near those types of cover types like the grass, the wood, the docks and the rocks. So that's kind of what I really try to key in on. And then I'll fish those mid-range creek channels, kind of that say six to 15 feet of water, because I know that those fish would start to get on the edge of those creek channels within a a creek arm. So um, that's where I usually start leaning a little bit more heavier on the jig. It's kind of a um, a fall late late fall or fall into winter and you could ride that all the way through you know december and into january but fishing the jig around creek channels uh, even shallower creek channels too but pitching it around wood like standing timber or even just short casting it and then looking for those those because uh, obviously in east texas we have a lot of timber so fishing it in and around um the wood uh the root wads in the Timber that's fallen over and uh, the stumps that remain, and those fish will get on that wood that I'm talking about. And then also just fishing that lipless crankbait around the grass and the rocks. Those two places with the lipless crankbait can be can be really good. Obviously, you can fish that all the way to February to pre spawn. And um, mm-hmm. I know that sounds wild, but you can pick up that lipless, that red eye striking red eye shed and just go all the way. <laughs> and some days are going to be more consistent than others, but also with these cover types and areas. The weather's going to be dependent upon what I'm doing there. You know, sometimes a little bit more overcast, then maybe that grass and that shallow rock will be good. A little brighter jay moving out in, on those docks can be good. And then relating to that deeper wood or that wood that's in a little bit deeper water. So. It's just going to depend on what that weather's like to figure out where those fish will be.
2: James, as far as you know, kind of the progression of tactics and lures, uh, you talked about a jig and a little bit, obviously, that lipless crankbait. Do you have a systematic approach where you are taking – strictly a weather scenario into play and that is going to be how you start? Or do you want to take a day and say, hey, you know, I want to fish something moving and fast in the morning and then kind of begin to slow down after that? Or are you more of a slower fisherman that you want to pick up slower moving tactics and then maybe, you know, pick up faster moving stuff, you know, later on in the day when you start to see some potential shad dimpling or something like that. If you have a warm winter day uh, in that ditches, you talk about like six of 15 or or working some of these other cover types, you know, that you mentioned the creek channels and rocky areas, those types of things. How does your progression of tacks and lures, how is that determined on a uh, daily basis? What's your thought process there?
4: When I'm, when I'm fishing shallow, I kind of center around basically three or four different lures. And that would just handle pretty much all the fishing I'm going to do in shallow water as you move out of fall and into winter. And that's with a jig, of course. Um, that's going to be huge at whether I'm, you know, pitching it under docks, fishing it around deeper docks and any kind of brush around those docks, the pilings on docks for those non-floating types. And then, um, and then in, on the creek channels. And uh, even, it's funny, even some of the, some of the bass will, will live in those creek channels, They'll winter in there through kind of like the, the halfway mark of a creek. If you're say a creek channel or a long creek is three miles long, you might, you know, you might have a mile and a half in, there might be some fish in there. And even the back half a mile might have some creek channel bends that those fish will be in. And that's the key too, obviously, uh, I didn't mention is those, those bends in the creek channel with wood on them. That's what we're looking for. But the jig. Then the bladed jig as well, uh, love to throw a a striking thunder cricket that that bait's going to catch them It's a 12 month of the year bait. It really will fishing it slower around grass and then on the rock, you know, that's just a great search bait. And, um, I love that bait because it's amazing. It has an amazing uh, ability to, to just pull fish to the bait. It just, uh there's something about that bait that's n- unlike any other one we've we've ever been able to use. But the, the bladed J will work right through the coldest times of the year. And then I love a shallow crank, you know, like a KVD 1.5 square bill is awesome. There's a lot of different other types. Even some balsa types can be really good, some flat-sided ones, and th- those can be good. And then, and then, of course, a lipless crankbait, uh, like that striking red-eye shad. There's so many different lipless crankbaits out there, but that vibrating, rattling type bait, Uh, those are those are the baits that i definitely will have on my deck when you hit november and then ride it all the way through the pre-spawn like those types of baits they just you just seem to be able to always get bit on them and uh, of course if you get a little bit of a breeze i'm going to probably be more doing more winding and then if it if it slicks off and it's a little bit more brighter yeah on those dark days and those in those windier days probably going to do more winding with the crankbait and the bladed jig and then once I get into, you know, more of those bright days, kind of post-frontal, then I'm going to probably lean more on that jig. And surprisingly, that lipless crankbait, even on some of the brightest days and slick days, you may not, you may, it may not be the best, it, the, might not be the best lure at getting bites, but you can still get bites. It's, a, it's amazing. It's got an amazing ability to to trigger some fish to react to it. And and But within all, all those baits, I'm going to be real loose with them, like I'm, I'm going to even if I think, yeah, hey, they ought to be on this, I'm going to try to be remain adaptable. Try to remain open minded. That's still something. <laughs> I don't know how long, um, how many years I've been doing this—20 <laughs> something years. Just try to pound that into my head. Hey, stay adaptable. Try to move with them. And you know, those fish—they just sometimes when you think, wow, oh, they won't want that, they're eating that. And so that's that's the key as well. And in, in, with those baits in that time of year.
2: James, hit you with one more question before we go to break. What would be some of the differences? Obviously, there in, in North Texas, uh, maybe a little bit warmer than, than some other regions like North Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri. A little colder up there where Aaron lives <laughs> than it is down there in Texas. Yeah. But, you know, what kind of advice can you give? You know, those anglers maybe in those you know that midsection region of the country, if they're also looking to stay shallow this time of year, are there any differences that maybe you feel like they need to uh, keep into mind?
4: I think for that midsection of the country, you know, obviously things are progressing a little bit faster, it's a little bit colder. Paying attention to retrieve st- retrieve speeds is, is going to be real important. But I feel like a lot of the things that I'm talking about can, or that I've just mentioned will be able to apply in really anywhere in the country before it get to where you even have Maybe some ice on the water. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, you can definitely, um, you know, be cognizant of the water temperature, obviously. But it's interesting because in another part of the country, in Missouri, I- I'm thinking, you know, 55 degrees up there those fish don't typically react the same way 55 degrees is down here. I feel like those fish in in the mid part of the country or even up north or north, more north, 55 for them is like, yeah, that's not a problem. Where our fish in Texas, 55 they're like, whoa, break on, you know, because <laughs> <Right>. they, <laughs> they just like to stay warm. Yeah. And so you can definitely do some different things and, um, and of course, we have a lot of Floridas down here, Florida strain largemouth. They just don't like that colder water and they just really don't like overcast days as much as fish in other parts of the country. More, more of those northern strains or those spotted bass or those smallmouth. And so you can definitely do some things with that. And one bait that I, I didn't mention that I think really kind of goes across all regions of the country and I fished it in the shallows as well, is just a jig head swim bait. Mm -hmm. If I see some bait fish presence in a creek, I can fish, you know, uh, like a striking rage swimmer swim bait, a kytec type swim bait, those types on a jig head. And you can just slow roll those through an area and um, you can catch some fish that man, you might really have a hard time to get them to eat your crank or your bladed jig or or your lipless crankbait. That that bait will really, especially in the clear water zones, you know, down towards the dam on some of the lakes around here, for me, where you have the clearest water, those baits can really get you some bites that you may not get otherwise.
2: Great tips. All right. You said a couple things there. We're going to we're going to bring them up after the break. You talked about speed of presentation. I think super critical. Going to pick your brain on that. Also, we're going to dive into James's dedication to shallow water angling, specifically in tournament mindset. So hang in there, fellas. We're going to be power pulled down. We're going to be paused for a quick break and be right back with more Bass Edge Radio in just a moment.
3: Bass Edge, presented in part by Mercury Marine Go Boldly, returns with MLF Pro Circuit Angler James Niggemeyer in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all lucas products it works you know james right uh, before we went to break there you you had mentioned one of my favorite baits and that's just kind of that uh, swim bait on the uh, jig head and you know i was discussing with a fellow angler a few days ago about how the speed of a retrieve is often overlooked as a differential factor you know for getting some bites versus really no bites at all i think we're often you know just quick to change lures rather than look at how maybe i'm working or utilize a particular bait do you have any good experiences that you have to share where lure speed, you know, did make a difference and and was more important than switching baits altogether. Cause I I know just experimenting with, you know, a swim bait, man, when I've slowed it down before, it's just like, all of a sudden it, it's just like the clouds opened up and the, and the heavens shone down on me. Yeah. And
4: it starts like raining bass. I mean, (laughs)
3: exactly. (laughs) exactly.
4: (laughs) It is amazing. You know, you'll be fishing an area and think man we need to get out of here there's nothing going on and you do just a little tweak like that maybe you slow down or you speed up and next thing you know it's like you start questioning did they just turn on all of a sudden or or was it just that minor adjustment and in my presentation and definitely that is that is huge I definitely think Kurt and I've talked about this As, as fishermen we have this muscle memory where we we throw a bait like this, and we throw this bait like that, and we just wind it straight back And Or we, we, you know, we just have this certain way that we fish each lure because why? Well, because that's where we caught them. Well, you know, most of the time they're, we're catching them like this, but there are times when uh, just the retrieve and how you manipulate the bait does definitely make a huge difference in the number of bites. And and what I've found is it's, you know, clearly those are the days that it's harder to get bit generally and sometimes like you said it just switches from can't get bit at all to we just had a banner day but it seems like more often than not in a tournament situation um you just seem to have you can turn a day from you know one or two bites we had six or seven and, and we have a decent you know decent little stringer we put together um i know uh, i can think of back to a time fishing with a buddy here locally on lake fork and and we were just out I think I want to say it was December timeframe kind of fishing some of that remnant hydrilla that was left and little patch on a little the side of a little high spot, little Island top that was below the surface. And he was just getting bit. And I, and I, and I was just, gosh, what am I doing here? And I, and I was thinking, well, he's getting the right lineup. Right. I, I so of course, you know, I adjust the boat a little bit here I'll show you. Let me try to swing one down the hole, you know, and, <laughs> right. and I don't, I still don't get a bite. And, um, and what, what we learned was he, it was just one of those, what you can, have, uh, as a whole, it seems like year in, year out, there's a time when that lipless crankbait, you just have to to reel it just slow enough where you, you, you almost barely feel the vibration. It's still there, but it's not like that coming through the water like you normally would. You just barely can feel it, and that's what they want. And I think so much of the time when it's that type of situation, water's colder or whatever, it looks more natural or more like what everything else is like in the water. If you have something just blazing through, it seems like they don't, they don't respond as well. And so, yeah, definitely retrieve speeds can be huge. And on that day, we had some, some really nice fish and uh, it made a big difference. You were slowing it down and catching a little grass, ripping it free, not even really ripping it, but just kind of pulling it out of there. They didn't want it aggressive. And, uh, yeah, over the years, there's numerous occasions, probably too many to, that I've forgotten a bunch, but. But yeah, retrieve speed's
2: huge. Yeah, I remember an example of retrieve speed being everything between getting some bites versus no bites down there in those blueback lakes. It was an Elite Series event several years ago, and I'm throwing the a little you know, hard swim bait, and uh, man, I'm throwing mm-hmm. it up there, and I'm on a seven to one gear ratio, and dude, when I'm winding it back, I'm burning it back. And I had talked to a fellow competitor who was who was struggling a little bit, and and I said, man, they're eating this freaking Sebile like dude, you get on these shallow points and you throw it up there. It's, I mean, it's gobble, gobble. I mean, it's on. And um, like every point I, I catch a fish, some points, multiple fish. But every point I come to, if I make a bomb of a cast and wind the Sabeel back, I'm catching them. Well, you know, he calls me an hour later after running around and hitting, you know, seven or eight points. And he's like, dude, I can't get bit on this thing. And I said, hey, man, where are you at on the lake? And I tell him, and we're real close to one another. He comes over and I fire the bait up there. And I was like, dude, watch how this works. I fire the bait up there. You know, I'm burning it back. And he's like. Dude, it's the speed of retrieve. That was everything because he's throwing it up there nice medium retrieve, winding it back, which the bait looks so awesome, right? It's just wiggling back and forth. But dude, with that that heavy speed was what those fish wanted. Seen this in a lot of scenarios, guys, and, and um I felt like, you know, even rod angle can play a big difference, whether you're holding your rod mm-hmm. tip. Winding, let's say, a square bill back, and you're holding your rod tip at 11 o'clock versus holding it at, at uh, 9 o'clock or, or 7 o'clock, you know, down toward the water. Um, even those little things can make a big difference. Uh, how, how that lure is vibrating through the water, uh, reverting back to exactly what you just mentioned, James, about that lipless, about how it's vibrating. It's not. <sighs> But you know, and I think there's a lot of scenarios where we're quick to change lures. Quick to say, well they're not biting the, the the Thunder Cricket today, right? And and then, you know, just a change of speed or a change of rod angle will make all the difference in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. like like Aaron said, you know, the heavens open up and, and it starts raining bass. <laughs> So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting concept. I feel like that is often overlooked for sure. Um, James, I want to talk to uh, another thing, an interesting concept that you have that that is uh, something that you've developed over time, over your experience with tournament bass fishing, and that is your dedication to shallow water angling. When I say that to you, just because that we, we have a close relationship and I understand what that means to me, but what is what is a dedication to shallow water tournament angling mean to James and how did you come to the realization or the footprint that sent you into that realm of
4: tournament angling? I was thinking about how that happened. It wasn't necessarily like You know, one day I woke up and bam, that was what I was doing. But it was kind of a slow progression in 2013, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. After being on the elite series for a while, I, I think when I first got on the elite series, I was doing that to more of a, a greater degree because I was a, you know, a rookie and didn't know, you know, a lot of things didn't, hadn't gone to a lot of places. So I was like, man, I just got to lean on my strengths and do what I like to do and have fun. And so that's what I did. And then as time went on and you get a whooping here and a whoop in there and you start thinking, well, you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. Everybody else in the top 50 was, you know, doing this or doing that. And you start to try to adapt you know, like you guys talk about your angler identity to try to fit what you think you're supposed to do. And that's why I went on that tangent for a while. And then, but at the same time, I was noticing tournament after tournament, year after year, it seemed like no matter where we were in the most unlikely places, there'd be a guy in the top five or the top 10. And he might not, not have threatened to win, but he had a great finish. Or I noticed a couple guys in the top 20 or top 30 after the tournament was over, or talking to them or just finding out through reading tournament reports or whatever, that that this guy was fishing shallow and that guy was fishing shallow in the most unlikely places and probably at the un- most unlikely times of year for that to happen. And I started to say, you're getting your tail kicked at some places where if you probably would just do what you do, you probably wouldn't have such a, you know, just trying to stay away from those really, you know, tough, tough tournaments, What we what we call out there a bomb, you know, and and so uh, I would just say, well, I'm, if that's the case, I'm going to go do something that mentally I feel like I'm as confident as I am at anything. And, you know, go, growing up in Southern California, man, I did all the, the deep water fishing, had some great deep water opportunities out there, finesse type light lines and drop shot, split shot, you know, fished around some of the, the greatest with that with that light line stuff and fishing deep. And and so I'm not afraid of it, not don't don't mind to do it. But what I noticed about my personal track record on tour and tournament performances, when it came to those types of tournaments, my best fishing, those deeper type things, fishing, those, you know, offshore those ledges on the Kentucky lakes, or the, or the Tennessee River, or or up north fishing deep smallmouth. It just it just wasn't there. It just wasn't happening. So basically, what I was was I was I said if I'm gonna take my lumps, I'm gonna go down doing something I'm confident in. All right. And um and and that's where I just I just kind of gravitated towards just making that the center focus. And what it, what I noticed was it started to even out some stuff on my stats. But I also noticed I enjoyed it more. There was something about me walking away from a tournament. If I got beat, but I went out there doing something that I love to do I, or that I was most confident in, well, I, I felt like I actually gave it my 100%. I gave it all that I could. And there was something about not doing those things that, uh, or doing the, you know, like when I used to try to do what I was supposed to do.
2: Right. Like go I, I out, just, go out and drop like, shot or something out deep or, or drag a football on a ledge and 20 foot. Yeah.
4: Right. And and I had some disastrous events like that. And I was like, gosh, if you know, if you just went up there and caught yourself 12 pounds a day or something, you would have, that would have made a big difference, <laughs> you know, shallow. And I was like, huh. So that's kind of where things kind of started to click for me. And I really, it's one of the things that I, I, I'm a very visual fisherman, whether it's fishing topwater, fishing cover, trying to break down, you know, a dock or a, a tree line or, 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 anything that shallow, I love, and I love off colored water and I love getting up close and personal making short casts and trying to be stealthy. And I still do some of those, like I'll throw a drop shot and I'll throw a wacky rig and finesse type bait real shallow, but just staying shallow. And uh, I just enjoy it. It's, it's been something where, um, I feel like, and that's where I'm going to go. And that's what I'm going to do. And, and, I, and there's a lot of guys that do that. You know, you have a John Cox, who just amazingly talented angler, who's predominantly, you know, ninety-five percent of the time you won't find him, you know, deeper than say five feet or less. And then you have Bill Lowen, and there's so many others. And so those are some of the other guys I looked at too. Not trying to compare myself, but right, a, a, right. You know, because I think that's a that can be a bad thing to do as a fisherman. But you're just looking at some of the guys around me and going wow. And then my buddy Takahiro, more times than not, he's power fishing shallow. So I just looked around and said, man, I'm I'm gonna try to do this. And I'm really happy that I did. Of course, now with electronics the way it is, I'm starting to peer back over the other side of the fence. Look at that grass. It's starting to look a little greener. <laughs> you know? And and so you start to, uh, I don't know. But yeah, there's and the the same here's one thing too, though. I'm I'm not completely I'm, and I still challenge myself as a fisherman to learn to get better at the other stuff. And, and when I'm home and when I'm doing a guide trip, we'll fish deep, we'll catch some fish offshore. And right. if that's the thing that needs to happen, then we'll do those types of things. But when it comes to tournament competition with a limited amount of time and practice, I, I've got to rely on my strength And that's something that, uh, that I've kind of come to the realization of and, and quite pleased with that. I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. I don't. Uh, it doesn't bother me. I, I like it actually. <laughs> and 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 I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna double down on this just for Bass Edge listeners, just so that they understand. When James talks about you know relying on shallow water techniques for his tournament angling, he's not relying on it. He's dedicated to it, right? I mean, over the last two years, how many times have you been off of the bank? James, in a tournament scenario, just so the listeners can understand when when we're talking about relying on it, it's not just, you know, I'm going to peer up there first and then meander about and see how I can catch one. What does your dedication to shallow water mean?
4: It means I always start there. I always start shallow. And if I get something going over the first or second days of practice, I might peek out and see what I'm missing. But I'm also talking to I've got my buddy, you know, we can't have any outside information so we can talk to a fellow competitor. So I talked to my buddy, Kurt Dove and say, Kurt, how's that deep fishing going? And if it's on, then maybe on the last day of practice, maybe you need to peek out there. But if it's not so good, then then I'm like, okay, I'm all in, all the chips to the center. But I might peek around out there, but I'm definitely going to give my best, my most Concerted efforts at that. And it's probably, I'm maybe even underestimating it a little bit. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, you
3: are. I, you know, I would compare you, James. <laughs> if we're going to put this in religious terms, I'm just going to go there. You're, you're Apostle Paul. I mean, dude, you're like, you're like willing to get, <laughs> you know, you're a disciple to, of it, you know.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, it's gotten to the point where that's pretty much all I do. I, uh, I don't expect to even have to look out there. I, I, I mean, I just, I, don't, I try not to because I just feel like, I just feel like my best chance at bringing my best effort in each and every tournament is by doing what I feel like is most fun and and I'm most comfortable and com- and, and uh, confident. in. so I do, I, I just continue to try to, to stay there. And, um, and, and another thing, uh, a buddy of mine, Dustin Wilkes who fished the elite series for many years, multiple classic qualifiers, before he left the elite series, he said, you know, I know that you're, you fish a lot like I do. He said, If you fish, let's say three days of practice and you fish all day shallow the first day and all day the second day, and then you say, yeah, I'm going to leave the third day to go out deep and look around. He said, imagine how much more you'd find if you just stayed dedicated and never looked over your shoulder and just continued to play. He said how much more you'd have as far as places you get to go to and potentially the better quality you might find. And I, I will say that that is that's something that always sticks with me. That when he said that, because he he was, I mean, I know he caught some fish one time on Kentucky Lake out deep, but for the most part, that guy, he, I mean, he was the epitome of stay shallow, turn and burn. He and he was more of a power guy. He didn't slow down too much. He, you know, he has he has a fishing show now, and um, but he's a he's a shallow guy. And of course, he's starting to look at these new electronics too. He was t- we were talking not too long ago. He's like, man, I'm gonna get this forward shooting technology in <laughs> there but yeah fish and shallow that's definitely my game plan, and, and that's what I I'll, I'll stick to, and and really enjoy it. Like I said,
2: and Aaron, I, I thought it was great to bring this up, you know, as a topic of conversation because you know we talk a lot about being versatile, and from a tournament perspective, I think James understands where he wants to go with this thing, and instead of getting caught up in doc talk or other things that that can affect you know a potential tournament outcome for him, you know, consistency is a huge deal in our sport, making championships, uh, making checks. And I thought this was a great avenue to kind of explain to Bass Edge listeners how another perspective can be seen in our sport. It's not all about, well, you know, you go to St. Lawrence River and you're drop shotting in current and 25 foot of water in the middle of August. There, There's other ways to attack fisheries, Kentucky Lake, you know, Lake Chickamauga, whatever it is, there's fish in, in generally all aspects of the water column even in winter as James is discussing. You know, how to stay shallow in the winter time and still be productive by changing up, you know, baits, routines, speed of retrieves, all of those types of things. There's a way to, you know, make all this happen not just following the most traveled Path to success, so I thought that was a, a great conversation for us, especially in
3: James' situation because he is so dedicated in the shallow water techniques. Yeah, no doubt, and I mean and, we've, we we spent so much time, you know, talking about angler identity, and I think James, that is one of the things. Hats off to you, um, you know what? You're very secure with who you are. That's for sure as a fisherman. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, and at the risk of, of sounding like I was downplaying, I, I know several times where over the last few years, Kurt, say, are you going to spend any time on out there and I know I've said to him nope I don't plan to spend <laughs> any time out there Yeah, that's right. and yeah. so I I may have downplayed it a little bit and, and because I know I'm more I, I probably I know I am more dedicated to it than 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 I'm making it sound but uh yeah
3: it's it's definitely the <laughs> the thing that's been my
4: plan of attack I would say well, well quickly James
3: you know looking uh you you brought about which I, I love the analogy you know don't look over your shoulder so let's let's look forward for a second before we head to the listener question here looking at 2022 any tournaments that you're salivating over uh, that you see on the schedule that you'll be uh, can't wait to uh to get a fresh start and get out there and get after it
4: none really I mean I love the fact that we're starting here at Sam Rayburn none more than others except for two I love that we're starting at Rayburn but starting there in the third week of January is not not the best time to go there, in my opinion. And we, the weather can be so fickle that time of year. So it, it might not show uh, Rayburn's true strength, but I love the fact that I love Rayburn period anyway, but I wish we were going a little bit different time. But as far as the rest of the schedule, um, over the years, I, I've not gotten too excited about certain venues because um, there are some venues that I'm like, wow, I think, you know, I'm excited about that or what. But as far as the schedule as a whole, it seems like Some places where you feel like you're going to do the best, you don't do as well. And then some places where you're thinking like, I don't know about this, you'll do really well. So it looks like a great schedule. And uh, the thing that probably excites me the most is I look at that schedule and there's not one tournament where I'm like, yep, I think that I even have to look offshore. And even though I'm dedicated to the way that I fish, like we just discussed, there's some tournaments where you'll look at and go, oh. That one might be a hard one to, that might be a hurdle if you try to, try to stay on the bank. And I don't see that on the schedule next year, but as far as the most looked forward to tournament venue next year, we're going to Lake Champlain. So I love that place. It's just absolutely beautiful, uh, whether you fish the north end, the south end, anywhere. There's places just full of fish. It's, it's probably, Next to like Lake Cayuga, um, just, well, I love New York waters, but that's probably my favorite New York body of water, Lake Champlain. I love going up there. The only thing I don't like is it's about a 26-hour drive, and that's it. That's the only thing I don't like <laughs> about it. <up> there. <laughs> well, it can get rough, but that can yeah. be said of any lake. But uh, as far as the schedule goes, you know, Rayburn, the, the bookends, Rayburn and then Champlain. Those are the two that I'm look for, looking forward to most.
2: That's funny you mentioned that about New York. Um, you know, when I'm guiding here at Amistad, you know, some people ask me questions about traveling the country and kind of what my thought process is on on other places and geographic regions. And people always talk about Florida and Alabama and even Missouri and in different places. And I and I always mention some New York York fishery. And then I always make the statement like, you know, New York, from a state standpoint, is easily top five fishing state in the country. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, if you haven't been, you just don't know.
4: absolutely i've had that same conversation so many times people ask me that and i think it's because a lot of people think i want to catch the biggest bass in the lake and right. i i do too I'm, I'm like that with just like everyone else but you know what i like better than that i like getting bit and when it comes to going to new york <laughs> you get bit <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what i right. like <laughs> that's exactly
2: right all right guys we're going to move into our nitro performance bass boats listener question segment this question comes from justin Smith out of Northern California. Uh, James, this might be a tough one to tackle, but I think it's a great question. Justin wants to know what influences the bass seasonal behavior pattern. Is it more based on water temperature, amount of daylight, weather conditions? Typically, he's limited to a single day to fish any given lake. He's trying to find out those seasonal patterns the bass are in to determine what areas of the lake to target on that day he gets to fish so can you set him off in a direction that'll help him understand from your perspective how to determine that seasonal behavior pattern
4: from an overall
2: standpoint
4: that's a great question Justin I think it's something that we're always continually trying to uh, get a better grasp on because we want to find fish faster that's that's paramount and we all have limited amount of time so that's Definitely. uh, Always forefront of our minds. And I think if I was to try to prioritize the different things, the temperature, the daylight, the weather conditions, I think I would say the amount of daylight probably has as much to do with their seasonal patterns is that'd be number one I would think and then number two would be and probably a close runner-up would be number two is the water temperature because you have you know you have your cold years your where we have what we call a cold winter or uh, or a long winter and so temperature is also important as far as that goes too but, um, and then I think lastly would be the weather is the more fickle thing. I think that's the thing that has more of a day to day aspect to how the fish move and, and what they're doing. But uh, for me, it's definitely when I put my boat in the water, I think that the thing that I'm going to do is first try to assess. Okay. Let's just say we, you know, I'm, I'm on said lake in whatever part of the country and I put my boat in the water and it's in the spring and it's say 58 degrees. I'm thinking, okay, there's definitely fish in that pre-spawn pattern. So now I've just, what I've done is just, I've, I've singled out a high percentage target zone for me. And that's good and bad. It's good for the for the point that, that you, if you have too much to look at, it, it feels like you never accomplish anything. It, it kind of puts blinders on you and gives you a target to focus on. And so that's good. If you end up finding them in that pre-spawn or that, uh, yeah, that kind of a pre-spawn, they're feeding up before the spawn, that type of thing, those patterns, fishing fast-moving baits or whatever, then that's great because now you've just made a a choice, a decision, you followed through, and bam. But if after a good portion of time you haven't, then you start to broaden out your search a little bit more. But for me, it's always the the high percentage things, things that I like to do the most and most confident in because when you're searching for those fish, you want to put something in your hand or a few different types of techniques in your hand that even over the course of time during that day, You're not going to lose confidence. You're going to continue to throw those baits and you can throw them confidently. I think that's important to have that mindset of, hey, I'm going to get a bite at any moment on this bait just because I'm really confident in the way I fish it and it's been good to me over the years and i feel like i'm I, i'm a fish and angler with it so those are some different things that i would take into consideration that uh, influence the seasonal pattern but also how how i go ahead and try to find fish on a on a given lake
2: yeah i think th- those are great points james i also just throw this in there for justin that you know when you throw the dart you know while you're driving to the lake and kind of thinking about the fundamentals of fishing right which which give us those seasonal behavior pattern scenarios, um, then once you hit the lake and you've tried something that, that you thought would be the right deal, don't just do it all day and be unsuccessful, right? Be willing to have some adjustment period, right? If you fish for two, three hours and, and you're having a little bit of success, maybe keep driving that train down that road and, and it could continue and you run into the right you know, area that, that's holding those fish that are in that seasonal behavior pattern. But if you go two, three hours and don't get a bite, make some slight adjustments back to the previous potential seasonal behavior pattern or forward to the the next seasonal behavior pattern that that could be in that zone of confidence from a fundamental standpoint i think just doing the same thing especially since you're only getting one day on the water for justin would be potentially counter-effective because you don't get the next day to try something else is i guess is where i'm
4: going with that right yeah that's an excellent thing to add there kurt for sure yeah you don't want to get stuck with something that uh (laughs) that you thought was going to happen and then all the way through the day you're like oops kind of missed it. That's a good point.
3: Kind of like your earlier comment of, you know, you wanting to get lured out. The sirens are calling you out to the deeper water. The grass is greener. Well, sometimes that grass is green because it's over a septic tank. So anyway, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, nice guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, yes, absolutely. what, a, what a, a fun interview, guys. Uh, James, thank you for answering Justin's question. And Justin, hey, we need one more thing from you, and that is to simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab. Fill out the information. Let us know that you heard James answer your question right here on episode 365. And uh, we will get that Midway USA gift certificate. Free money. Buy whatever you want. They just have about everything for shooting and hunting and the outdoors. We'll get that sent out right out to you.
2: And a continued reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep firing those questions to the show through our website, BassEdge.com. Just simply Click on the Ask the Pros tab or follow through our Instagram page or our Facebook page. We're always posting something up there, usually once or twice a month, to submit those questions to the show. We'll uh, choose a question to be answered, and you could be the next winner of that Midway USA gift certificate.
3: Well, James, there we have it. Uh, another episode of Bass Edge. I do want to say just uh, you know a personal thank you. Uh, I, I want all the listeners to know because obviously we we've, we've picked up. Uh uh, at least two new ones since 2018 along the way. So they they may not know, but you are a very, very integral part, uh, kind of the roots of Bass Edge, kind of the backbone that helped all of this come together. So it's always a, a pleasure, a joy uh, having you on and your information is always so pertinent and, and thorough. But uh, before we shut down, any thoughts you want to leave the listeners with?
4: Oh, well, guys, thank you for having me. And, and this, it's great being with you guys and being able to connect with listeners and answer questions and of course i love to talk fishing and one thing that i would say is to the listeners hey you know when you're out there fishing, keep an open mind and above all else, get out there and enjoy God's beautiful creation.
2: Well said, James, man. Enjoy the chat, buddy. Have a great Christmas season. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to you, uh, before that all comes to fruition, but, uh, also, uh, great to hear all the success with your wife, Sandy, man, that, that's, uh, I just want to bring that back around full circle from your opening of the, uh, interview and, uh, what, what a great blessing that is. So, so happy to hear. And, um, Again, just have a great holiday season. Y'all hang right in here, Bass Edge Nation. Aaron and I are going to return with the closing segment right after this message.
0: You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive Contoured Edge and patented technology. Keel KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick MegaWare Keel Guard. Be at home with nature, with nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings at WildWings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie, and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sassino.
1: I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish, and usually in a fishing situation, going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with
0: them. Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash and sign up for an exclusive offer to Bass Edge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash to get 10% off your next order of nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wait.
2: The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system, all in one compact unit. The Charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app it automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power
3: when you need it. Courtney, you know, having James on, it's it's almost like uh, we just had him on last week. It's It's amazing how he can just pick up right where he left off. But I appreciate just the kind of the tone of the... The interview, his uh, talking about the angler identity, you can tell he's like really thinking, you know, when he's when he's talking. And and I appreciate that about James.
2: Yeah, he's got a very analytical approach to his game uh, over many, many years of experience has come to some concrete conclusions of what puts him in the best position to catch fish and be successful as a tournament angler. Interestingly enough, being successful as a tournament angler. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's how he's going to fun fish all the time either. As you talked about him, you know, with his guide service, still fishing out deep sometimes, you know, targeting some, uh, fish that, that maybe he wouldn't target in a tournament situation. But, uh, his winter techniques, specifically this early winter type techniques and staying shallow, um, I think, you know, continue to relate his dedication to that shallow water orientation. And really, I think early winter, You know, even in North Carolina, Missouri, you know, those kinds of areas, those shallow water bass are just as available still as the deep water bass. You just got to change those presentations. Look for some of those key cover uh, ideas that James uh, signified where he would target to be successful for these early winter shallow water patterns.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, You know, leaderboards. Uh, angler of the year standings uh, more importantly cash flow right uh, show me the money that has proven the results are there so whatever he's doing he will continue to keep doing it until he's absolutely convinced it doesn't work and then uh, you might see yes. a change but uh, great stuff from James appreciate also uh, all the great uh, questions coming in continue to send those in want to remind you there's been a shift midway USA gift cards you can, that's free money you get to spend that on on whatever you like on their, <laughs> their website yes. uh, we are approaching christmas so if you don't have your christmas shopping done i encourage you uh, very quickly to get that going so to make sure that you have that uh, setting on your doorstep or for whomever you might be buying for and uh, certainly Feel free to visit the BassEdge.com store, visit our sponsors, uh, support them who help support Bass Edge. So for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin, and we look forward to seeing you December 15th for the last episode of 2021 on episode 366. So long, everybody.
0: The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit bassedge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.